Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Trendsetters podcast episode. Today, I'm joined by Johan Kudijk, the CMO of ADT. Today, we're going to explore a wide array of subject matter and topics. And so I guess to start things off, Johan, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jake. Perfect. So I first, you know, I think uh, all of our listeners here, had, you know, we're, we're very familiar with the ADT brand, uh, but I'd love to get a sense from you directly kind of from the source of what the brand purpose behind ADT is and, and ultimately kind of how you tell that story to consumers. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's, um, as you say, like ADT is a very well-established brand and, and really at the source of it is that we strongly believe uh, that everyone deserves to feel safe. And those are really our core beliefs in, in which many of our uh, decisions are, are rooted. And what you see is that uh, we created uh, the security industry already 146 years ago, uh, have led the category ever since. But a lot has changed in that category, and it, it continues to change and innovate based on technology developments as well. And therefore, safety and innovation are, are at the heart of ABT. Like a wide array of smart home technology, uh, and we focus on you know, protecting and connecting uh, people to what matters most to them. And in addition to that, we provide safety outside of the home through uh, our mobile SOS application called SoSecure, business security, and also medical health solutions. So it's kind of this ubiquitous safety and connection uh, that ADT provides. As for telling the story, because of its rich history, ADT is not always widely known for, for the safety and connectivity innovations that we provide. So what we do to tell the story is we very much focus on you know, our brand and how is our brand perceived by, uh, by consumers. Our brand is very strong in, in, in things like trust and safety and reliability. And, and those are brand equities that, that many marketers would, you know, do a lot for. On the flip side, though, because of our rich history and, you know, like ADT having been with families for generations, some consumers tend to know us more for traditional security rather than for fully connected uh, smart home uh, solutions that we provide. And so therefore, the, the way we tell the story, and that's a continuous you know, effort on our end, and we continue to develop it, but it's very much rooted in data and insights. It's very important for us to understand consumers' perception of our brand and what makes them interested in our services, so that at those specific times, we talk to them in ways that, that resonate with them. Just one example is uh, COVID, of course, which changed everyone's life. And what we saw with COVID is, uh, and stay-at-home orders, is an, a big increase in the usage of uh, social media. And we completely changed the way we interacted with consumers on, on social networks, uh, such as Facebook and, and Instagram predominantly, uh, and also further expanding it to, to, for example, Pinterest, and very much focusing on you know, giving people uh, help and tips on how to deal with you know, your toddlers being home all the time, um, new recipes, like how to basically adapt to this new way of life and, and really changing that narrative and how we talked to, to everybody in social has significantly increased our engagement. Um, so, you know, th that's just one, one example of, uh, of, of how we 
continuously adapt uh, the way we, we, we talk to both consumers and customers. Um, and then one staple in the way we communicate to, you know, to the world is uh, what we call our lifesaver stories. And these are items with households that have ADTs or ADT customers, and they experienced a, a life-threatening event uh, such as a fire or a carbon monoxide leak. Uh, and the, where ADT and first responders were able to help prevent tragedy. Uh, so what we do, it's quite cool. We bring all the people together. So you have the customers, you have the technician that installed the ADT system, you have the monitoring representative that um, you know reached out when when the alarm was triggered, and you have the local first responders. Uh, and all of those people meet usually at the the home of the customer. And, and tell the story. So as you can imagine, it's a, it's a very emotional get together. These people meet each other for the first time. You know, they fly uh, from from different sides of the country, and and it's it's really cool to see that uh, because you know, like it's very rewarding and, and great to see how our work actually contributes to keeping people safe and keeping animals safe. And in addition, we. We then also make a donation to the local first responders to, you know, thank them because we, you know, we tightly work together with first responders and those relationships are are important. And of course, those those people do do great work. Yeah. And I have to even thank you personally for the peace of mind you give to customers. You know, growing up, I was always three boys. We grew up in a neighborhood with so many boys. We're always getting into trouble. And one of the most consistently speaking my mother's most furious moments were if we would forget to set the alarm at night. That was a, she'd wake up the next morning if the alarm didn't go off. That was, oh, we were in for a, a tough day. So I can certainly, you know, I certainly have experienced firsthand that peace of mind that's given to, to consumers and, and almost needed. Now, within this marketing role, and you mentioned the social media side of things, some other campaigns, but there's so many moving pieces and it's so fast paced. Yeah now and I think it's going to continue to evolve and be that way. But I guess what advice would you give to future marketing leaders or even current marketing leaders um, when it comes to staying up to date with, with what is an incredibly fast-paced marketing environment? Yeah, definitely. Like, like you know, our environment never stops and that's, you know, one of the reasons I, I like it so much. There's no such thing as, you know, standard. Great anecdote, by the way, on, on your story on you know forgetting to, to arm the system, getting in trouble. It's oh, it's yeah. uh, you know it's 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 one it's an example you know where we are continuously focusing on uh, I, I think on the customer. So w one of the things we're doing that kind of ties into that specific example is you know we've just announced our partnership with Google where together with Google, we're going to, to essentially develop the next generation of home security. And, you know, as, as use cases there, we're looking at that arm and disarm, you know, use case. Like, so it's such a binary use case, which like ideally you want to be way more seamless into your life. So you, you want to have a solution that understands you. It understands when something is, is out of the ordinary and potentially going wrong and therefore alerts help and not being dependent on just arming and disarming. So it's, it's an interesting uh, one that you bring up and actually one that we're, that we're working on, which I wanted to share with you. Then as for your question, very fast-paced environments, technology and marketing are becoming more and more 
a joint to the hip. More and more, you know, what worked one, two, five years ago doesn't necessarily work today mm-hmm. because, you know, things have become more advanced, right? Like a lot of targeting methodologies in digital marketing that we used 10 years ago are archaic today and irrelevant. And, and so, you know, th- there are many, I, I think, principles that are important or, or to realize when mm-hmm. when you're in marketing. And, and I'll share a couple. Like, I think, uh, I think ownership is an important one. Really being in charge of your of your own destiny, having this, you know, inward accountability to always striving to deliver, you know, the best that you can, not only to your own team but to the to the entire organization. So understanding when you make decisions, how that impacts the, the organization and also going, you know, beyond what's, so to speak, in your job spec, right? If you see a problem or an, an area of opportunity for your organization, jump on it and develop it. And especially in marketing, because things change so much, that that's more relevant now than it's ever been. Um, so ownership is a big one, I think. Being flexible and adaptable is, is an important one. And, and have this notion that there is no such thing as a status quo. Status quo doesn't exist. And, and so always, you know, learning new things and, you know, pressure testing things and, and trying to find other ways to, to reach your solution and never fall back on like, oh, Oh, sure. You know, that we tried this two years ago, didn't work. So we, you know, so we shouldn't try. Like, don't fall in that trap. It's a really easy trap, I think, to fall into because people inherently like comfort zones and therefore sometimes resistant to change. And, and it's very important to push that boundary and to, to always look for, look for change. I think the other last one, two more, I think. Uh, one I would say is, you know, test, fail, and learn, like experiment, 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 and embrace failure. Like don't have a culture of like, oh, you know, like there's a team member, they tried a certain thing and it failed and therefore this is bad. That's good. Like there's a lot of data that powers uh, a lot of marketing today. And it puts us in this position where we can approach pretty much all of our marketing activities in some way, in a more scientific way than we have been able to do so years ago. Uh, so having that experiment culture is, is very important because that allows you to identify your opportunities to scale. And then lastly, you know, execute. The, where the rubber hits the road, that's very important. Not just ideas, you know, ideas, big ideas are important, but if you don't do anything about them, they you know, they just stay what they are and ideas. And so, so focusing on that delivery and that ex- executing is, is very important as well. Yeah, I love all those points. I would echo all of those. And for our listeners here, I don't know how public this is nor widespread, but, but one of the things that stands out to me, both ownership and then also just, just coming up with your own kind of ideas, even if it's not you know within your role and responsibility, for those that don't know, the origins of the Happy Meal, you could argue one of the greatest kind of marketing innovations in, in, in recent times, right? The innovations of the Happy Meal, well, well the Happy Meal uh, was actually derived, the, the, the uh, executive assistant of the CEO of Bernstein Reen oversaw a brief on a desk and the brief obviously didn't mention a Happy Meal or they would have already done it. And she immediately thought of the idea. They have a conversation with the CEO and that was the agency then, then they bring it to life. And so it's just such a good example that at its core, us marketers, we need to be those idea generators 
uh, with the ability to execute, but also having ownership of all of those. So those are incredible piece of advice that I'd echo. And, and for yourself too, I, I know your background, certainly very much in the execution, less of, you know, ambiguous brand marketing strategy. What do those words even mean, right? What does that even look like? But, but very, you know, specific skill sets across SEO and SEM, social advertising, paid media, growth marketing acquisition uh, with a wide array of companies and brands. So I guess, you know, from your perspective, now that you are a CMO, how valuable has those past experiences been where now, you know, you know how these things work. So it's a little bit easier to oversee. Has that been vital or or, or incredibly valuable to your role now? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I think like, like any marketer who progresses through their marketing career path, they obviously they start somewhere. And, and so they have a certain, a certain background, right? If, if you come to the point of senior roles, such as a CMO or, or the like in marketing, like they've become very broad, like a CMO, I would say is probably, you know, one of the broadest C-suite roles these days. And, and that discipline is so diverse, right? And there's been a lot of uh, development in, in the digital marketing area and performance marketing to your point where, where I'm coming from. Uh, and then there's the more brand, brand marketing uh, area where, where other very good marketers come from. Certain roles, I would say, require more specific knowledge than others, right? So if you're running a $200 million paid search channel, probably good you intimately understand how paid search works. But, but marketing is broad. So as, as your career becomes broader, you, you cannot be the expert in every single area. And therefore, it's, it's important to always be open to learn. I have this ferocious appetite of learning new things. That's very important. Uh, but what's even more important, I would say, is to to ensure you surround yourself with experts and people that know more than you do, not only in the areas that you aren't traditionally familiar with, but even in the areas that you are traditionally familiar with. Because at the point you you have this broader role, you start to automatically lose more details in the development of even the areas that you grew up in, as I, as I like to call it. Uh, so surrounding yourself with, with experts and then fostering a culture where those experts have the leeway to make their impact and also ensure that you are there to enable them, that they have everything they need and that any obstacle they deal with, that you, know, you can work on that together and you find your way through it or around it. I, I think that's very important. And what my marketing leadership and I have done there to kind of create that environment, uh, because I think those principles go down through the entire organization. Uh, so what we've done is we have created uh, specific uh, marketing operating principles and leadership principles to really ground our team into the areas that, that are important. And we're integrating these principles into things like hiring, providing feedback, other day-to-day discussions and meetings, for example. And that way we really foster that, that open culture that you just described. I think the Happy Meal example is an excellent example where really good ideas, they, they come from everywhere. And having that climate where those ideas can gain traction and aren't, you know, dismissed just because of where they're coming from is very, very important. And it's, it's also hard to do. So it's, it's, it's something we're creating and trying to continuously improve, but it's definitely an ongoing effort for us. 
Definitely. I love the way you uh, lay things out there. And, you know, the, the next question I have for you is on purpose and, and kind of passion, which it's one of those things where I think marketing in particular, but I think this is the case for a, a lot of markets and industries. It's not one of those things where you're in business school or marketing school or whatever, you know, it is within those categories and, and for yourself in Amsterdam, right? And you're like, hey, one day I think I'm going to be a CMO of ADT or the CMO of this. And it's just impossible to map that. But, but sure yeah. enough, you know, you end up there. So for you, certainly marketing has to be something you're incredibly passionate about. But I guess when was that really defined or when did you really find that maybe passion or love for it? And it isn't to say it was, you know, Isaac Newton and an apple falling on your head and boom, you know, but when, I guess when, when would you say you started to kind of build that affection or love or passion for marketing? That, that's, a, that's a great point. Like you're totally right. The, the passion is the most important part. Like you need to be absolutely passionate on what you do and don't, to your point, just see it as a, as a job. Like to be, you know, as effective as possible, it needs to be part of your life and, mm -hmm. and, and therefore it needs to connect completely into your passion. So the way I literally roll into it kind of progressively, like in high school, this was like in the, in the nine, in the mid nineties in, in Holland. And it's always in terms of development. And I think this goes for many countries, especially in things like internet, the U S tends to be, you know, the, the, the leader and that then kind of starts trickling down to other countries and as well as countries in, in Europe. So Holland kind of tends to be behind and especially back in the nineties where the pace of innovation wasn't wasn't that fast yet. So I, I was a kid in high school and I liked computer games and I still do. And there was this thing called HTML. And I was like, oh, this, this is cool. And it was this whole notion that you created a website and everybody could see your website. And I was like, oh, this is, this is a cool thing to do. So I started to create a game review website, starting in Notepad, just teaching myself HTML. And, you know, a lot of trial and error took a very long time to, uh, to, to just build like a two page website. And, you know, there, there was a lot of fun. And I just did that because I liked it, right? I, I didn't at that time think like, oh, this is, this is what I'm going to do more of in, in the future. What then happened is, you know, like, like I had friends who had parents who had like SMB or small medium businesses. And, and this whole notion of the internet started to, yeah. To, to be relevant for business. And, and so I started making websites for people's companies. And I was like, oh, I can actually, I can actually ask money for this. So that's cool. So I, I had something I really liked doing and I got paid for it as well. So, so that was fun. Then this whole notion of like, you know, people also need to visit the websites came into play. And, and so I started thinking about like, okay, when websites are there, then, then how do you optimize them for search engines and, and how do you drive traffic to them and things like that. And, and so when I started my studies, I became an affiliate marketer and, and I built kind of pretty flat websites. I, I paid, I, I bought search ads to them and, you know, and then I got, I got paid for either traffic or signups or whatever the business model of the, of the publisher was. And I had a lot of fun doing that. And that kind of morphed into me, you know, setting up my own web design company and, and internet marketing company, which, which I, I had for uh, the, the period like through, through university. Then my internship I did at eBay 
Uh, and that's where, um, you know, I, I really got introduced to like a true internet company. I was there for a couple of months. I enjoyed it a lot, did, did a lot of cool stuff. And that's the cool thing of, I think, being there so early and being in Holland, which is a small market. They just let the intern do a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I set up their paid search program and I ran affiliate networks and things like that. So there was, there was, there was a lot of fun to do. And so eventually, when I graduated, I had my mindset on being a consultant. So I was a finance consultant for a year. And I was like, this is absolutely not, you know, not me. And I, I went back to eBay and started really doing doing marketing there. And and what really excites me is um, being able to, to grow businesses. To, I, I love the analytics pieces behind it, like pinpointing and seeing where you can make the impact, running experiments. Uh, all of those things are are really cool, and and then ever since I've you know just continued to to be active in in the marketing space all the way until today, where I'm a CMO of uh, of, of a large company uh, and overseeing you know a lot of different areas in marketing, which all really really excite me. And I think having the passion for the marketing profession and also for you know the company and the brand that I work for make it a great combination. Yeah, that is an incredible story. And uh, I love how it was, you know, hey, I discovered this this internet thing and started building websites and I did it because I enjoyed it. And then it turns out people wanted to pay me for it. And it's almost oh. like you, you might have been labeled as like, oh, that's the internet kid. Like that's the, you know, it, you know, dad or mom or uncle, like you, you want to get on the internet? This is a guy to talk to. That's so right, incredible. And, and one particular question, I don't know if you'll remember, but at eBay, that internship, do you remember if that was like a formal paid internship or unpaid or I guess, what did that look like? I mean, for the, for all purposes, you can say it was unpaid. It was more, and I, I think, so internships in the States were different from, from Holland. And I was able, I was very proud of myself. I was, I was able to negotiate a pay out of it, but it was more, you know, to cover expenses and things yeah. like that. So it, it, it was, you know, it, it wasn't paid for, you know, like an entry job is, is being paid. Yeah, no, no, and that makes sense. And, and the reason I note on that is because a lot of things you mentioned, you know, the, those early websites you probably built, I assume you were like, you know, eh, what can I charge for it? All right, here's a number that, you know, this will cover my cost of, you know, I can go, I can go to some parties. I can, you know, go to the school dance, have a little bit of extra money, you know, not right. a formal kind of web design agency charging uh, billing structure. And then, you know, a eBay negotiating just to cover your expenses. I love that, that scrappiness, because I think that's something that, today's marketers, a lot of our listeners here that are entrepreneurial, that have a business and marketing mindset, they're always looking for that application. How can you learn at a young age, tr- truly get ingrained? And I think that's that's the best way to do it. Don't, you know, if you're sitting around waiting for someone to come to you and say, oh, you're an expert on TikTok, we want to hire you. And we have a 80,000 a year salary sitting ready for you, even though you're 22 years old. It's just, it's just not going to happen. So you almost have to go create those opportunities because what you can learn from them is probably more valuable than anything that 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 you're going to make monetary wise. And and so I guess on that note as well, I'm always thinking about information, education, resources. Um, are there any books, podcasts, courses, information, uh, fundamentals, you name it, that you would advise all of our listeners either check out, tune into, stay up to date on, you name it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's definitely. I, I think, um, you know, as I said before, learning and continuously learning is super important. And, you know, everyone is busy and, and just try for, uh, try to find the time. 
to spend on on your own development and 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 also make sure that if if you're fortunate to lead an organization make sure that your team and all the people in your team and your own leaders uh, focus on their own development as well it's it's super super important and and it goes better in really integrating your work as a passion into your life if you connect it with with things that you're interested in and can keep learning and so what i try to do is before bed like read a book or audiobooks are great i think uh, when you're taking a run just listen to listen to an audiobook or listen to a podcast in terms of courses I would say, you know, focus on what you want to develop. As, as we discussed, marketing is a very broad area. So, for example, if you're if you're not an expert in data science, and, and data science becomes more and more a prominent piece of marketing, and as technology continues to advance, uh, it it will become even more important. So, let's say you're not an expert in data science, you know, follow some courses in like some basic data science courses or something so that you you can then understand the fundamentals and then you can automatically connect it to the role that data science can can play in in marketing in the form of you know developing targeting or lookalike models or or things like that books i think are pretty subjective books that i personally really like uh, the power of habit from good to great and the innovator's dilemma uh, you have them on your shelf for a yeah i was going to say good to great i probably read that every quarter that is the like you must read i would say in the business world yeah agree agree it's it's that's a big one and i personally also like books that are biographical in nature around you know impactful founders and teams uh, like examples are the everything store which is about the early days of amazon um, you know, biographies of Steve Jobs, uh, Elon Musk, really uh, enjoyed, uh, enjoyed reading those as well. As for podcasts, there, there are a variety. One I've, I've recently tuned into, it's called the CMO Podcast by, by Jim, Jim Stengel. Stengel. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're coming for him. We, we want to take him down as, as the top CMO podcast, but he's got a lead on me and he was the former, I think, global CMO of P&G. So he's got a little more experience than myself, but... Yeah, yeah, we're coming after that. That, but, was, that was a really good one. Exactly. Yeah, no, I liked a lot. And, and keep going. Like, set your objectives high, right? Like, yeah. that's the only the, the only way you get there. And so, and so, you know, what I personally like from it is, and especially since I became a CMO myself, like, listening to other CMOs and their viewpoints and, you know, having all of these diverse perspectives uh, really helps in, in, in your own frame of reference. Um, so... You know, like like again, I, I would I would say definitely books, podcasts, course, courses, etc. Very important to you know continue to to keep learning. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, Jochen, it was truly a pleasure to uh, have you on today. Thank you again for your time and for all of our listeners here. If you have any questions, feel free to let me know on social, any of the social channels, and I'll be sure to let you know. And I will see you all next week.